a Mitch and Jeremy exclusive. Are you ready? On air. Online. On your smart speaker and wherever you stream. The Mitch LaFon and Jeremy White Show. The Mitch LaFon and Jeremy White Show. Available wherever you stream. Catch up on past interviews and episodes on demand now. Subscribe so you don't miss any of it. Ah, there he is. Look at him. Look at Beautiful. What a powerful and attractive man we have on our screen now. Oh, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> How's that? Very welcome. Okay. There we go. Awesome. Okay. Read my lips. I sent uh, I sent your uh, publicist Tom a uh, an ad from Billboard for that yesterday. Uh oh, you did. Yeah. For... Let me show it to him. Sorry, let me just show. I don't him. think I looked at. He didn't look at his emails yet. Yes, here I'll show Here's you. Here's my phone. Yeah, I pulled I pulled that out of uh, Billboard yesterday as a sell. It was from uh, October of '84, I believe the ad was from. Yeah. Right. Right. Uh, scanned it and correct. I send it over. I, I scanned it and send it over to Tom. Well, but what's weird about it is it says you'll laugh your lips off. It's not a comedy album. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but that's the ad. Did I did I send it to you too, uh, Jeremy? Yeah. Yeah. I got it. Yeah. It's a, that's that's the actual ad that ran in Billboard. I believe it was October twelfth or something like that of eighty four. Uh huh. Uh huh. Yeah. It was it was fall. I remember. So okay. That had to be the record labels, you know, uh, marketing department to come up with that slogan. Capital, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. What's funny is that it it was on the pages right after the Hall of Notes Big Bam Boom release, and it's funny because Tom handles Daryl and Fee. So yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Our our Jonathan Wolfson, our manager, is yeah. a Hall of Notes manager also. Yeah, no, so it worked out. Uh, yeah. Jeremy, um, lead us off. Yeah, look, lead I mean, it. let's get right into this. a bunch of tour dates uh, across America this summer. Also, Feeway Bill Rides Again, available now, which I want to talk all about. Of course, the classic uh, tracks and everything. Uh, really stoked to welcome to the show the one, the only, Feeway Bill from the Tubes. Hello. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. An absolute pleasure to have you. I mean, uh, personally, having grown up in the 70s and 80s, hearing about the tubes and seeing you on all the different shows, you just went, what is that? <laughs> <laughs> no, was that a good reaction or? Well, it was, it, it was, I mean, here, let me just start there and then we'll, we'll move on from there. But your live shows were I mean, it was the circus comes to town. At some point, did it become a distraction to the music, or did it enhance the spectacle? Uh, well, I think it. Well, you know, it's it. It's. I mean, that's. We were all about the art, and the right. and, you know, and Prairie was an artist, and I was an actor, and then we found Kenny Ortega, and then we found Jane Dornacker and and Leela and the Snakes, and we had all of these artistic people and we wanted to do a big show we wanted costumes and sets it did i believe end up taking away from the music because you know in those early years it was all about the big show and our 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 reputation was oh my god it's a live show that you will not you you know it right. makes ringling brothers look pathetic and you know and and we didn't sell a lot of records because people would come to the show and even though the musicians were exceptional and we had great vocals and we had great production, we had great guitar players, we had a great drummer, uh, uh, people, you know, instead of, instead of buying the record when they went home that night, they developed their film from their little Kodak. <laughs> oh, man. You know? And, uh, and so we never, 
you know, while we were on AM for the first five albums, we never really sold a lot of records. It was just a huge, I mean, we were doing great live and had big, I mean, we would tour every year from, we'd go out in April and we'd tour until December nonstop and, you know, live in a bus the entire year. And, uh, and, and, and we just, and every year the show got bigger, you know, we'd make more money. So we got more dancers and we got a bigger show and we decided we wanted to build a gigantic blue uh, set that was all round <laughs> and round. And the manager kept saying round is not going to fit in the truck. Well, well we don't care. It, I don't care. So get another truck. Oh, okay. So it's we had funny. Because the set was round and it wouldn't fit. Yeah. Uh, so it's funny because I mean that's kind of what happened to Kiss. I mean nobody was buying their records, but everybody was going to see the show. Right. right. Well, right. let me ask you about that. What was that a reaction to Kiss and Alice Cooper and Screaming Jay Hawkins and 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 David Bowie, or were you just this is our vision and we don't care about those other people? No, exactly. We. I mean, we we. Uh, I mean, I love David Bowie when I was young. You know, I dyed my hair red and shaved my eyebrows off because I wanted to be like <laughs> That's a luck. And we loved all those theatrical. Genesis used to do a big show before Peter Gabriel left, you know, yeah. and uh, just with the whole idea of of doing theatrics with the rock and roll was, you know, was right where we were at. Like I said, Prairie was an artist. Mike was an artist. We did our own album covers. We made our own backdrops. We did, you know, we made our own costumes. Uh, uh, but it was an extravaganza. I mean, it, it was. was. And, and it's funny because Alice, you know, is also, uh, we were friends with Alice back in the old days. And Alice is from Phoenix also. And when his name was Vince, okay, and he had a band in Phoenix called the Earwigs. And uh, we used to see, and so we knew, we used to always say that, you know, he was sending spies to our show to rip off our visual ideas. <laughs> and he would say that we were sending spies to his show to rip off his visual ideas. And so it was kind of a running joke, you know, who was, who was, <laughs> who was original, who, who came Who's up stealing with from who? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, did really. you ever figure it out? Did you actually steal from them? Was there was there some? Oh, no, and I'm sure that we never did, and I'm sure he never did. He didn't. You know, he was doing great. He still does great, and we we uh, were close friends. And I go to Arizona to help him with his uh, charity golf tournament, and the and then the summer Christmas show, uh, Christmas and, pudding. Uh, Christmas pudding, right? And then year before, uh, when was it? We went to we went to the UK opening for him. Uh, I think it was eighteen, two thousand eighteen, and played a bunch of you know we played Wembley Arena and played a bunch of thirty thousand seaters, you know, opening for Alice and we and a promoter. It's kind of a, it's a good package, you know. It's a it's a visual theatrical extravaganza with the yeah. tube and Alice. And uh, so we've played with him quite a number of times over the years. And Shep and I are friends and Alice and Cheryl and I are friends. And so it's all kind of a, you know, there, there's not a lot of uh, competition in, anymore. You know, I don't. 
It's, it's just, uh, you know, Jeremy, I don't know if you've ever seen it, but there's a, a Tubes at Winterland 1975 video out there, that which is spectacular. And just there's oh. just like naked ladies on stage and they're they're doing they're charting their album sales on a graph. It's just, <laughs> it's just, it's just completely ridiculous. Uh, but that's what you love about it. You yeah. love you love the ridiculous. Yeah, I love it. We, we used to do a uh, I remember at Winterland, we used to do a song called uh, Wonder Bread Bodies. And I would come out like a all dressed in white, like a chef. And I'd have a big, and I would go to the day old bakery store the day before the gig. And I would buy like 30 loaves of wonder bread that were all stale. And then during singing the song, I would be ripping open loaves of bread and wadding them up and, or, or Frisbee sailing them out into the audience, you know, and just the whole like Rocky horror picture show style. Yeah. It was like a, it became a, it became a, a, crumb world you know and then people would grab the bread and they would wad it up into balls <laughs> and throw it back at us you know? oh, <laughs> well, that's awesome but hey that, that's what it was in the 70s i mean you, you just imagine you know on monday you see kiss on tuesday you see cooper on wednesday you see the tubes and then yeah. saturday night you go to bowie i mean come on yeah, it yeah. seemed dangerous. That was it, living. Sounded, it seemed fun. I mean, today rock bands, I mean, like they're standing there shoegaze or they're playing to their Pro Tools rig, and it, there's there's no spontaneity. It's spontaneity or spontaneity. Spontaneity. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, um, you're, right. you're right. And and uh you know, and and we're still doing we're still, I mean, we're going out in June finally. Mm -hmm. Uh and uh we're going to do, we just, I just came back from San Francisco. We, we rehearsed last week and uh, with the band and we're going to do uh, our last tour. We did completion backward principal album, top to bottom. And wow. uh, we were doing that in 2019, kind of when the pandemic hit and uh, 2020, no gigs at all. And then 2021 in like October, we went back out back East and did, I don't know, ten or fifteen shows, and and then the uh, then Omicron hit, and then uh, so the whole thing shut down again, and then and then the uh, Delta Plus Rewards variant hit, and it's like oh, <laughs> it's just one after the next, and so then we you know uh, we decided well I, I guess we have to stop doing completion backward, you know, although I have all the costumes uh, that are hardly worn, and uh, so we decided uh, last week that we're going to do outside inside this time. Wow. Nice. So we're going to play outside inside uh, for this. Inside out. Yeah. That's actually pretty cool. Well, I want to talk about those records really quickly because, you know, those were the first records that you started to work with David Foster, who, I mean, the dude's just all over the map. I mean, he was basically the Mutt Lang for a lot of pop and R&B artists. And then he comes oh. in and does the rock record with you. Uh, was it just a marriage of musicality from the beginning or was it difficult to work with David? Uh, well, it was th that first record completion backward is my favorite record. And it was at, at that point we had been released from AM, and, you know, the, uh, this, the people at Capitol came to us and said, you know, we, we have this guy that would be great for you. And we really need you to become more popular and get on the radio and sell some records. <laughs> that would help. <laughs> And so I th we think David Foster could do this for you. And so, and he had never done at this point, he had never done a rock and roll record. He was all strictly R and B. He had just finished uh, uh, Boogie Wonderland, 
with Earth, Wind, and Fire, and we were we were huge fans of Earth, Wind, and Fire, and all, and, and we were always kind of loved the R and B kind of genre, and we couldn't, you know, we're a rock band, we couldn't really incorporate it, uh, and he kind of helped us do that, and he came, and uh, I think, you know, like. He came up to our studio in San Francisco and we started playing songs for him. And, and, uh, uh, while you're paused on that, your famous quote about David Foster is David Foster changed our world. Yeah. Fair to say. Yeah. Oh yeah. He completely changed our world. I mean, he turned, I mean, he would sit down, we would play him a song and then he would kind of learn the chords and he would sit down at the piano and he can well he'll kind of go well what if you did this and he go no 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 put it in a modulation and boom the whole thing paid off he used to always say it's got to pay off so okay he's a very hands on guy pay off yeah. and his arrangement expertise was just off the chart you know and he would like amnesia or don't want to wait anymore or uh, I mean, I, we were just kind of stunned, you know, and, 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 and he, he just, he's just so brilliant. And the one thing though, is he doesn't have a lot of detente right. when it comes to working with bands and, you know, and, and the same kind of thing happened. Uh, I, I don't know if you saw the, his, uh, his documentary, but the same kind of thing happened with Chicago. He kind of alienated the band, you know, went straight for Peter Cetera and started writing songs with Peter Cetera and kind of, and the band kind of went, well, what do you, what do you mean? You know? And uh, which was the same thing that happened to us. He kind of, you know, the, if the band came in and they were too hungover from the night before, he'd just go, okay, go home. And he'd get he'd get another bass player or or Steve Lukather like like right. it all started with with at the end of completion backward uh, he goes you know we the the record company wanted a ballad big power ballads were happening in early eighties yeah. journey journey had a big hit and REO Speedwagon and after the love is gone went to number one and uh, she said okay well we've got the ballad. Uh, and, and interesting story about that. I'll get back to that. But he says, we got to have a rock song. We don't have a rock song. So he said, oh, look, why don't let, he, he tells me, you know, come to the studio. We're booked in at a studio here in LA at, to like start at four o'clock. I think we were working like four to midnight or something PM. And he's coming at 10 and I've got a friend that that's going to come in and join us and we'll see if we can write a song. And I said, oh, okay. So I came in at 10 and Steve Lukather shows up. And and uh, I did. Steve. Yeah. yeah. Steve is the best. And we, we and, and, you know, he was at the time like the number one session guy in L.A. And yeah. Foster had, had used him on other sessions in the past. And he said, this guy's really quick. He's a great writer. And we sat, we wrote Talk to You Later in 10 minutes. Wow. And Luke, Luke sat right down and just started going that 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 instantly, you know. And I'm and I'm scrambling to try to write lyrics, you know. And then we call Prairie in, we put on the drum kit, 
Luke does, Luke does the rhythm guitar. He does the bass. Uh, I sing all the background vocals. Right. And when the band shows up at four o'clock, we've got a finished song. And of course, they were not all that happy about it. <laughs> you know? But yeah. isn't that what a good producer does? I mean, you look at Bob Ezrin, he's got Dick Wagner, he's got Steve Hunter, you look at who Mutt Lang brings in, everybody has their guys, and yeah. that's sort of their job. They're, the record company's like, listen, we got a budget, right. let's get this done. And they right. bring in their guys. I mean, that's... Right, exactly. That's what happened. And it was, it was kind of any means to get to the end. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Know? And and so and that's how how he kind of, you know, we did that. Talk to you later was a big hit, and went to number one in like seventeen countries or something. It was never actually a, a single in the United States, but it was on number one on the rock chart at Billboard. Wow. And uh, and then uh, uh, we did. Th- then the next record, Outside Inside, same thing. He said, okay, let's meet with Lucifer and, and we wrote She's a Beauty in you know 15 minutes. And and so the, the so the band is even more, you know, butthurt, we used to say, butthurt. <laughs> they're they're totally butthurt. Their, their pride was ignored. And I can understand that. I totally understand that. And uh and then uh uh but, but, uh, we'll say this: "She's a Beauty" is the only Tubes video that has ten million views. So yeah. David was right. <laughs> it went to number two. Yeah, and I even I bought the Billboard T-shirt that said "Number One with a Bullet." Never got to wear it. Never got to wear it. Damn! I, I still have it. It's in the drawer. I I look at it every now and then, but. Uh, but talking about Steve Lukather, fast forward, I mean, to read my lips, you work with Steve on basically that entire record. And oh, I, yeah. I was just talking to Tommy Denander earlier today, and he was like, that oh. read my lips album is like my Desert Island album. He's like, Michael Lando and Steve Lukather, they were on fire. Don't forget yeah. Jerry. Jerry played with Peter Gabriel. Can't forget Jerry on drums. Oh, yeah. Jerry Murata. Murata. Yeah. Well, and that's where I found him. We did a, in 1983, when She's the Beauty was a big hit, uh, we did a, a, a world tour with Bowie. Uh, the, Peter Gabriel was the opening act, and then the Tubes, and then Bowie, and it was a serious moonlight tour. Yep. And we played foot every night was a football stadium every night Olympic Stadium in Montreal. Yeah, seventy five thousand people. Yep. Uh, and and we played actually football Canadian football stadiums all the way across Canada to Vancouver and then down the West coast. And, uh, and that's where I saw, I, I, you know, I watched, I was a big Peter Gabriel fan, obviously, even from Genesis. And, uh, and I saw Jerry playing every night. And then when I went to do the solo album, I called him up and I said, dude, come and play on my solo record. And I also had Jeff Picaro on that record and he was great. And, uh, uh, I think John Robinson also played on that record. I don't know. That was a, but but what happened was, and and the same thing, same thing but different result happened with Chicago was we get to do the third record and and David Foster says well you know uh, this we've had big hits here with writing with with me and Luke and Fee and so we want to do a whole side of just us and you guys can do whatever you want you know oh, and the band just flipped out and went no dude we're a band you can't do that 
And, and so they, they shot down David Foster for the third album. And uh, whereas he did the same thing to Chicago, Mm -hmm. only Chicago didn't shoot him down. Chicago just backed off and let him do his thing. And that record sold, you know, they went from selling 50,000 albums to 7 million. You know, right. so. well, well, I mean, Kiss and Bob Ezrin, um, uh, Peter Gabriel and Bob Ezrin, Pink Floyd yeah. and Bob Ezrin. I mean, I know that's why you pay those guys the money because they know what they're doing. So sometimes you just got to excuse the language. You just got to shut up and do it. <laughs> I know. I know you have to just swallow your pride, but yeah. we didn't. Yeah. We didn't. And that's what ended up, you know, and I flipped out. And uh, uh, that that was kind of. You know, they went back to do to Todd Rundgren, who had done the last record on AM, Remote Control, to do uh, Love Bomb, the third record on Capitol, which was a disaster. And Capitol released us, and I quit. I just, I told them, I said, you can't do this. You know, this is, he's the greatest guy we've ever worked with. And I'm going to quit the band if you, and they went, yeah, right. I don't think so. And so, and so they went ahead and and boosted him. And then at the end of that Love Bomb tour, I left. I said, "Okay, well, I told you, I'm I'm leaving." And so I left the band and moved to L.A. and uh, which is where I still live here. Yeah. And and uh, and then I and then I mean, you know, it's funny how things happen. But I had met Richard Marks in in a session. Doing doing, uh, Outside Inside, recording She's a Beauty, actually. And uh, and he said, hey, hey, let's write some songs. You know, I'm I'm a songwriter. I'm trying to play songs with other artists. And I went, okay. And so I wrote, he he said, I love my, love your lyrics. And so I wrote some songs with him and we got some songs, you know, we we wrote a number one song for Vixen. Yeah, Edge of a Broken Heart. Come on. You can't beat that. And and so I know I was I was I was in heaven. I was living in LA in a little crappy apartment, just pretty much hanging around waiting for the mailman to show up with a publishing check. You know. <laughs> wow. and, and then Richard said, Well, I want I think I want to be an artist. And so he got himself a deal at Manhattan. And uh and then I wrote a whole bunch more songs with him for all of his records. You know, his first record sold three million albums and uh so, and, and actually we've, he's my best, we've been best friends now for, okay, uh, seven, uh, 39 years. Good. Wow. We've been best friends and I've written with him forever and on every record. And uh, he lives, he moved out here. He lives in, in uh, the Valley now. He lives out here in Los Angeles. And uh, I just saw him last week, actually we went for a big hike together. He lives in the hills out in the valley, and and he, you know, he's with Daisy Fuentes, and she's a sweetheart. And uh, my wife Elizabeth and Daisy get along really well, and so we hang out. So that's awesome. You know, yeah. it's pretty cool. It's pretty pretty cool. And then you know, obviously history continues, and we got back together. The tubes got back together about what ninety four. So about eight years later. And, you know, and I'm and I and they called me up and said, uh, you want to get back in the band? 
And there is a we we got an offer from a we were pretty big time in Europe and and the UK and we got an offer from a German promoter that said I have a tour for you in '94 and we've got 65 shows hmm. and but only if Fee is in the band and <laughs> so they called me up and said, the power of Fee yeah the power of Fee and he <laughs> said you know. Want to get in the band? We got this huge tour offer, and uh, and I said, "Yeah, okay. I think I'm I'm kind of my 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 uh, my anger is kind of worn away after eight years." Was I there got, a little more gloating to it uh, than that? That was like, "Oh, really? You need crawling me? back to you? Yeah, you, you need oh, really? me now? Really? Yeah. <laughs> really? Okay." And uh, so we got back together, and and uh, gosh, it's been now what? It's been 28 years on the second time around. Wow. So that's amazing. And Rides so we're, again. Yeah. We're really, we're really, we have a great time when we play and uh, uh, something, I mean, it's not like we're, you know, it's not like I call up and talk to them every day and hang out or anything. I, I mean, they all still live up North and I live in LA. So but there's something magic that happens and there's no, I can't really explain it, but when we all get together and we start to play something magical happens and the chemistry, it's, yeah. yeah, it's, it's chemistry. Yeah. And, uh, uh, the dopamine starts flowing and, and I get the Quaaludes big shoes out and uh, <laughs> we're, we're off. Does uh, does David Foster get a laminate for any show that he wants to, or or is that still a, a matter of discussion with the band? <laughs> no, no, I'm I'm cool with David. He could he could he can come he can on hang. anytime. There we go. Yeah, he lives in David. L.A. I saw him just the other day. Where did I see him? Uh, gosh, at a restaurant, I think. At Craig's, some restaurant in L.A. I saw him at a restaurant with his nice. with his what fifth wife. Uh, yeah, something like that. <laughs> I can't keep track. I don't know. Actually, uh, speaking of Craig's, I've always wanted to go. Is it good? Oh, yeah. He was the chef. For, you know the story, right? He was the chef from Dantana. Oh, really? And and bailed and started his own restaurant. It's great. Yeah. Although I like Dantana better. That's our kind of go-to restaurant. It's right down the hill from us. Oh. I like Dantana a lot. Wow. Just real quick, I mean, talking about Richard Marks and, uh, I mean, you're essentially a love affair of nearly 40 years. <laughs> yeah. you, you got so, the new record. Uh, right. He, he and I wrote my, my latest solo album. Right. Yeah, Rides Rise Again. And, and we, uh, we actually, we started that record, God, at maybe like 2014 or something. He used to live in Chicago and I used to go to Chicago and he has three sons, right? You know that mm -hmm. Jesse, Lucas and Brandon and who are all my godsons. And so when they were kids for years, every summer I'd go to Chicago and we do a boy's trip. And nice. most of the time we get in the car, they had a, they had a, uh, uh, a cabin. His father had a cabin in Manaqua, Wisconsin, which is way up in the north woods of Wisconsin. Right. And we would drive up to the cabin with the boys and just curse all the way up there. And, <laughs> nice. they, they weren't allowed to curse at home because, you know, their Cindy, 
wouldn't handle it. And so I said, okay, well, we can curse all the way. Just don't tell your mother. But <laughs> you can curse all the way up there. And, you know, it was really great. And then, uh, so we would go up there for a week and hang out in Manaqua and go horseback riding and go-karting and fishing. And, you know, we would just do this boys trip every year. And as they got older, we kind of uh, did more, you know, we did like whitewater rafting one summer and we did, uh, you know, different things. And and so finally, I, I, I came up for the summer of 2013 for our boys trip, ostensibly. And and the boys kind of went, you know, we're, I'm, I kind of want to hang out with my girlfriend. OK, I, I, I don't I, I don't want to go. And then the other boy went, well, you know, I just got a girlfriend, too. And I, we want to go to the drive-in. Ah, so the whole thing really <laughs> shot down, right? Yeah. They're all too busy to go hang out. They with grew Uncle up, Fee. basically. Oh, yeah, that's what happens. They, they didn't want to hang with Uncle Fee. Yeah. And, uh, and so Richard said, well, let's go. He had a studio there at his house. And he said, let's go in the studio and write a song. Let's, let's, let's uh-oh, hold on. There's the horses from the lake right now. <laughs> yeah, they're coming in. Stomping. That's my horsey ring because I have four horses. You know, I'm a polo player, and uh, so I play polo on the weekends with my horses. Oh, nice. Uh, uh, so you're writing the song with Richard. So we go to the studio, and he says, "Let's write a song. Let's do a solo album for you. You haven't done because he was involved in my second solo album, which was Don't Be Scared by These Hands, right. and he and Bruce Geich kind of co-produced that here in L.A." Yeah. He said, let's write another record. And I said, oh, okay, great. Okay. And so we, we went and we wrote four songs on that trip. Uh, Faker, Woulda, Shoulda, Coulda, Promised Land, and... Still You on the Inside? No. that Meant to that Be Alone? Meant to Be... No, I can't remember. How Dare You? There you uh, go. Oh, Okay. And uh, still, you on the inside was a song that I didn't write. That was him and 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 uh, oh, Nickelback and and, and, and uh, Chris Daughtry. Yeah, yeah. We they wrote it for Chris Daughtry and submitted it to him, and he, Chris Daughtry went, "No, I don't think so." And I just, you know, I had list. He he always sends me the tunes he writes, and and the tune and with Chad doing the demo on this, and oh my god, I just flipped out. I loved it so much, and so when we got. We uh, so later we had these four songs in the can, and then uh, uh, we didn't get back together again until gosh, I think like four years later, 2018, 2017, or something. We, and I, I think, I think it was 2018, and we we uh, we said, well, let's 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 go do it. Let's find some other songs. Let's finish this off. And this was after he had moved to L.A. And so we started looking around for songs. And I said, well, I want to do still, still You on the Inside. And then there was the other song, Say Goodbye, was a song, a ballad that I wrote for him. And he never put it on a record. He's He's got a buttload of ballads. <laughs> Right. I mean, he's, he was the ballad master at one point. The ballad king, exactly. And he uh, he's, he never man managed to fit that in. So I said, I want to do that one. And uh, and then we wrote a couple brand new, uh, don't, uh, don't Pull the Trigger, Don't Want to Pull the Trigger, we wrote. And Meant to Be Alone, we wrote. Uh, and then uh, 
No, no, no. And then the other song, uh, uh, Man of the World, he sent me this. He goes, I, I found this track and I really like it. And I can't, I don't know what, what it's from. And I, and he sent it to me and I went, gosh, I don't, I think I kind of remember this song, but I don't know. I, and so I started looking through my, my computer at my, at my uh, list of lyrics. Mm-hmm. And I have a whole folder of lyrics, some right. that never got made and some that I did in the poetry book and all, you know. And so I started, I, I put the track on and then I would go to, starting with A and I look at, okay, this song, mm-hmm. does it fit in the, in the spaces of the melody line of the, of the instrumental track? No. And then another song, no, nothing, nothing. Again, and so I got all the way to M. And when I played Man of the World, I had already written the lyrics and completely forgot about it. I played Man of the World and I went, oh, well, that's it. There it is. That wow. Fits, that that's fits amazing. Right in there. That fits in those holes. Yeah. And so uh, we went to the studio and we we put in that song. And so uh, so little by little, you know, it took it took six years to get it done. And then and then we're all ready to go. And pandemic. Yes. <laughs> We're in like March of 2020 and pandemic. Oh, no. oh yeah. great. Great. What else? What else? And so I went, well, you know, screw it. Let's do it anyway. Everybody, yeah. you now you're quarantined. What do you got to lose? Huh? Looking for new music. And, you know, so we went ahead and did it anyway. So. Which is which is smart because uh, so the album comes out in July of 2020 and and what I find interesting is that a lot of bands delayed and delayed and delayed and I was sitting there going, but everybody's sitting at home, they yeah. need something to do. Yeah. This is the perfect time. You go, uh, I know people can't listen to albums anymore because they're too busy. N- they weren't in 2020. Or and then, busy. Uh, no, <laughs> nobody was busy. A lot, of them, a lot of them changed their mind and turned around and started releasing records and. Yeah, and, but uh, the bands I liked all decided to wait till 2021, and I was like, Jesus, just put it out. Yeah. <laughs> just, yeah. And then anyway. 2021, there's still another pandemic, and then another pandemic, and then, uh, oh. Yeah. So, you know, you can't sit around and wait. I know, what do we got now? Now we got a war, and we're all on the edge of nuclear disaster, right? Right. You're going to wait till after that happens? Yeah. yeah. It's going to be sitting on a hard drive collecting dust for all just dust, too. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> I don't think so. Um, uh, quickly talk to me about these uh, shows with the B-52s, because th- that's another one that, you know, from my youth, that's disappearing. We love Love Shack and all that other stuff. Yeah. and uh, Rock and Lobster. Rock Ooh. Lobster. And you, right? hear, you hear Farewell Tour and you go, oh, come on, just keep playing. But um, talk to me about that. Are you, uh, are you doing a Farewell Tour as well, or that's not we, on your agenda? No, well... We're gonna we're gonna say farewell to her. Then we're gonna do that about ten times. Yeah, that's usually sure. that's the way to do no, it. Not, really, we're not. We're not. We're not hey, we're not, the, the Who's farewell tour was nineteen eighty two. We'll just leave it at that. Uh huh. Right, the Who went on our farewell tour in nineteen eighty two. Ozzy's No More Tour tour was nineteen ninety two. So, yeah, and didn't Kiss did the same thing? Right, Kiss there. did it in two thousand. I don't know. Phil it's, Collins did did a couple, and then he came back and did the I'm Not Dead Yet. Tour. I mean, everybody does it. Yeah. It's, hey, it's, Shania it's, Twain did it in 2015. Then she did a residency, and then went on tour, and then did a residency. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Tom Brady retired. 
Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 So, I don't know. I, I couldn't tell you if this is their farewell tour or not. They're doing a bunch of shows, uh, a lot of shows with Casey and the Sunshine Band. <laughs> That's fun. And, yeah. And then... Shake uh, your booty. Yeah. Uh, and then a bunch and a few, I, I don't know, I think we're up to four or five shows now with us. Yeah. We're, we're playing San Francisco with them. And uh, uh, I, I don't know, maybe they re, they 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 did. Uh, it's all analytics, sound scan and regional popularity and number of tickets potentially able to be sold in this market. And uh, aye, aye, aye. even AI is deciding who's getting to play shows these days. I know, but, but it is listed on Ticketmaster as the B uh, as the B 52s farewell tour. So yeah, yeah, that's, that's what they're saying. Yes. Yeah. So we'll see. Well, um, more power to them, you know, if they can milk it for two or three more years, more power to them, you know. I always like them. I, I've never, never seen them live though, so it's mm. kind of, it's going to be kind of interesting to play with them and and uh, and uh, get you know. to be on the road with them. That'll be fun. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Fee Wayville rides again. You can pick up the record right now. It's available where you get music. Also hitting the road this summer. Real quick before we wrap up, my buddy Adam Quilt, you wanted me to ask you about making the fabulous stains with Steve Jones and Paul Cook. Oh my God, <laughs> that was. I mean, and Paul Simonon and uh, uh, Ray Winston, who has become, you know, a big time heavy actor. He was in Sexy Beast and, you know, all these major heavy. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> oh God, it was such a clusterfuck. Unbelievable. <laughs> We're in Vancouver, right? Yeah. And, uh, and, the 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 woman that wrote the script would try to rehearse dialogue with us and these guys you know every other word was fuck she ended up leaving the the project the writer because they wouldn't read they wouldn't say what she wanted them to say oh and, god, oh god. And just then, cash your check that's all i'm saying yeah, really <laughs> and we used to and you know lou lou was such a cool guy and and uh, you know we used to we used to hang after, you know, he'd break out joints after the gig was over that day and we'd hang. And nice. one day he he rented a, a private plane and we flew to Seattle and we met Jack Nicholson to sit wow. on the bench at the Lakers game at the Supersonics. You know, nice. Damn. That's living uh, right there. Oh, God. It was. A, and then we went to a restaurant. A pri uh, that that closed for us and sat there with Jack and had dinner and with Lou and smoked pot there. Nice. And, oh, we had a great time, and we had a we had a, oh, a funny story with that. If you have time, yeah, yeah. absolutely. There's a scene in the movie where, you know, I'm Lou Corpse, the of the lead singer of the Metal Corpses, and Vince Wellnick, our dear departed. Uh, Vince played the lead guitar player, so obviously it's all uh, on track. And we wrote that song, Roadmap of My Tears. And uh, uh, so we're the scene is we're supposed to be uh, we're supposed to be in this little club, and we want to score coke from the local coke dealer, right? <laughs> in the scene, and so and the the guy playing the coke dealer was a Canadian because in in Canada, you, you have to hire 
something 30 percent of your cast oh, yeah, the can con it's got to be canadian content canadian content rules that's right 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 so we do we rehearse and and you know we're using this inositol remember baby laxative okay. and so so he goes so we're rehearsing and <laughs> and and so uh, okay we're you know we're ready to to shoot it and so the guy, the Canadian dealer guy, takes the bindle of an acetol and he goes, I'm not, I'm not snorting any more of this crap. And he whipped <laughs> out his own, and it turns out the guy's a Coke dealer. For he's real. an actual Coke dealer. An actual Coke dealer, and he's got bindles of Coke. So, and I, at this point in, in, in 1980, I, 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 I quit, I quit doing cocaine in like 73. I was, was not my drug. Yeah. I could, I, it was not good for my voice. It was not good for my psyche. I was a pot smoker. That's it. I didn't, I didn't deal. I didn't yeah. do anything else. Right. And so this guy whips out this bindle of real cocaine and we do the scene and we're snorting co real Coke in the scene. And, <laughs> That's amazing. And they want to, you know, and oh, I just got <laughs> me and Vince and this guy, and we're just getting blitzed, you know, and they want to do this point of view and that point of view and the master shot point of view. We did like 10 takes. Oh, man. Oh. And you guys are just wired on the set. And we were just definite white punks on dope right there. I was going and we're trying to remember lines and oh, God. And, and, uh, and so, so the guy runs out of Coke. We have one more shot to do, you know. Oh, no. The guy runs out of Coke. And and I'm going, well, and he goes, oh, wait. And he goes out and he comes back. He goes, oh, I scored another bindle. <laughs> so, <laughs> he's got like his guys are like down the street waiting for him to come and, you know, resupply himself. Yeah. In case oh. he's going to like sell Coke to the whole cast or something. Right. You know? Yeah. He had the know, plug down he, the road. <laughs> I don't That's know. That's perfect. You sit here. in the car at the corner. I'll come out when I need you. I, it's <laughs> hilarious when I what you know. I, I, I've seen the movie quite a few times, and and it actually didn't get released because of all the fucks. There was like a hundred. Paramount didn't want to release it because oh, of the language from from Paul and Steve. And uh, <laughs> That's amazing. And, yeah, it is because yeah. now you listen to the rap channels on Sirius, and there's a hundred fucks every four minutes. So yeah, I know, I know. Exactly. and Steve, you know, I like I I I still know Steve. He's got a he's got a radio show here in L.A. I don't know. Yeah, if you knew Jonesy's that. jukebox. Jonesy's jukebox. Yeah, yep. and so he's still around, and he's still playing the songs. And I've done his show a couple of times, and uh, uh, he's a real cool guy. And and uh, I guess they're having a big I don't know freak out with the ownership or something with the yeah the I don't Johnny know Butter, I mean Johnny LeBroton and I don't I don't know oh, yeah there's lawsuits going yeah, on there's, they're yeah. always fighting about stuff though so. they're always fighting about something but but anyway that was a really that was fun that movie and, and you know what's her name uh Laura Dern mm -hmm. that was her first movie and she had like a a uh the the stains those three girls laura and and marin Cantor and uh uh god what what was her name the uh the lead the lead girl what uh oh i can't remember her name 
Diane Lane. And she was gorgeous. And she's walking around on the set the whole time with like a see-through top on, you know. And everybody on the set was just in love with her, trying to hook up with her, you know. And she's, you know, I don't put out. That was that was a deal in the movie. I don't put out. And she didn't. Wow. (laughs) Played hard to get. (laughs) Nice. It was it was we were there for about a month. It was really fun. It was fun. They had a there's a little mountain in Vancouver, uh, just like a half an hour away. You can drive up the mountain and go skiing. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think it was winter when we were doing it because I did it. I went up and went skiing. Uh, It was probably Whistler. Isn't that Whistler, Mitch? No, Whistler is Grouse. I think it's called Grouse Mountain. It's a little dinky one-run mountain. There's one chair and one run. Oh, Whistler okay. is kind of way up farther to the north, and it's a great big resort with a ton of of lifts and stuff. So yeah, it's like a proper uh, destination. Yeah, this Grouse Mountain was like the local go for a you know wake up go for lunch. You know, uh, since we're talking about this, Adam also wanted me to ask you about C- uh, SCTV with John Candy and the fishing mu- uh-huh. musician. <laughs> you got any tales about that? Oh my God! <laughs> I, in fact, I just saw Catherine O'Hara not too long ago at at a uh, Harry Shearer did this uh, kind of spoof thing. Uh, oh, okay. Uh, it was uh, in Spinal Tap. <laughs> a Spinal Tap thing, yes, yeah. from his Spinal Tap character, uh, and I saw her there in here in in L.A. Uh, but. Uh, because we did us, we did talk to you later. I think uh, on Lola Heatherton on her on her bit for the SCTV show. But John Candy, we we were going to do the fishing musician with John Candy, and yeah. and and we were so we were up there in Edmonton, and we were at a hotel, and they said, okay, well John's gonna we'll come by tomorrow morning, and we're going to drive out to this lake that's about an hour outside of town, and we're going to shoot the 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 video for it yeah and uh so we said okay and so it's six o'clock we're gonna leave at six and we're gonna shoot all day and you know john will pick and so the limo shows up at six o'clock and in the back of the limo is john candy with a gigantic bag of weed and a case of beer <laughs> and he's already opened both the bag of weed and the case of beer so right. we're smoking dope and driving and drinking beer and driving out to the lake and, <laughs> and the whole thing, you know, and so we get in the boats and we're, you know, we're like pulling up boots on, you know, and various, I mean, yeah. And, and then we get into the, the, the cabin where we're supposed to play uh sushi girl and they've got a, you know, a big pile of fish, oh. you know, gutted, gutted trout and, and rice, a big pile of, and you know, and I'm going well, and, and he's supposed to sit down, and we're supposed to have like a little chat with him. <laughs> I said, well, is, is there? Are, what are we, what's the deal? Are we? Is there a script or anything? He goes, no, we don't need a script. We're going to ad lib. <laughs> so and, it was all improv. And the whole thing, the whole day was ad lib. There's no script. There's no plan. There's no nothing. Okay, go go play sushi girl and then come back and sit there and he starts to talk. I mean, it's, the guy was incredible. That's he amazing. Was so brilliant. And there was not a sig- single thing written down that, that was scheduled. It was just, wow, whatever. 
Yeah, so. those are probably the situations where the most creative stuff comes out, though, because it's all just, you know, off the yeah. off the cuff. It's just off the cuff. Yeah. And he was so brilliant that way that that, you know, I guess they figured, well, it's John Candy and he's guys brilliant. So we'll just let him go. Let him let run. Him let him fly. Yeah, so that was, that was really those fun. are great tales, man. Jeez. I love the fact that you had a you had a Coke dealer playing a Coke dealer. <laughs> and we didn't know until he throws away the bindle of inositol and goes, no, no, I'm not starting. No. no. We're gonna do the real shit. Yeah. <laughs> Good God. Well, I think well that, is, uh, <laughs> that was the last time that was 1980. So that was 42 years ago. That was the last time I snorted Coke. Wow. Well, it's probably for the ask, best because uh, the Coke is terrible these days. <laughs> God. And yeah, I wouldn't know. Yeah. I, I want to ask you one question. I, I see all over your uh, biographies and profiles that you worked with Brian Adams, but I, I've tried to figure out what album, what song, and I no. can't find it. Is yeah, that I never worked with Brian Adams? Yeah, okay, because no. it says it says here over here that I don't know where that came from. I have no idea where it came from, but it's not true. Yeah, okay, that, that's what I figured. So I did all the research and I could not find it, and I was like, it's it's not out there. I never produced anything with Brian Adams or no. worked with him at all. I don't, I've never even met the guy. <laughs> He's a Canadian. What? I'm not going to Canada to see him. Sorry. <laughs> But you would love to work with Brian because he's a big talent. Oh, but well, I would actually. I was on a. We were at an agency uh, a while back, years ago. We were at some agency, Patriot or something, and he was on that. And they said he doesn't ever want to tour. He's not touring. Mm -hmm. And so I don't. I can't remember the last time I saw a, an ad for a Brian Adams tour. So uh, he actually I mean, tours I, a lot. He's on tour well, right he, now in Europe. He, he just put out a new record, recollabed oh, with Mutt really? Lang, and yeah. it's phenomenal. Well, he just doesn't tour in the States. It's it's amazing that yeah. Brian Adams, for all the success, uh, can't really fill uh, seats in the States. He he just can't. Yeah. With all he, those hits, it's crazy. The yeah. summer of 69. Oh, I yeah. love that song. Well, he goes <laughs> to Europe and South America, and he sells out Ameri arenas, you know. Yeah, but in yeah. Uh, in the States, uh, one of the last tours was opening for Brian uh, for um, Def Leppard last year, or, or during the pandemic, he was supposed to go open for uh, for uh, Bon Jovi. Uh -huh. And yet he goes over to England, and he's headlining Wembley. So you figure out that math. I can't. I don't know. But it's just yeah. funny because I, I was researching stuff and I was looking at other interviews and other print stuff and it says, Fee Wee, blah, 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 Waybill has worked with Brian Adams and Fee has worked with Brian Adams and he's produced. And I was like, I'm no. a Brian Adams fan. No, he hasn't. Yeah. And I, so I tried to research it and I it comes up zero. I keep saying that and I every time they say it, I went, no, that's not true. <laughs> no. I don't know the guy. Never worked with him. Love to, but never <laughs> So we'll throw the invitation out there for Brian. Right. Yeah, it, it, right. it confused me because I have every album. I've followed his career since 84. Oh. I'm like, mm, I don't remember Fee working with him. I'm sorry, but yeah. mm. but okay. Who all knows? Right. Maybe it was a soundtrack somewhere, but all right. Uh, there you go. Thank you, sir. Yeah, that was a great a pleasure. Oh, I had, a, I had a great time. Thank you, guys. I appreciate it. It was really cool. An all-new episode of the Mitch Lafon and Jeremy White Show. Tuesday at noon. Available wherever you stream. Catch up on past interviews. Bonus content. And episodes on demand now. Visit YouTube.com slash Jeremy White Show. Follow Mitch and Jeremy on Twitter. Yeah, they're verified. At Mitch Lafon and at Jeremy White MTL.